Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Tuesday, January 24th, and this is People Every Day. It's Oscar nomination day, guys. Hey, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here. And yes, we, of course, are going to spend a major portion of today's show getting into the Oscar nominations, predictions, favorites, and of course, those snubs. No love for Viola Davis and Woman King? Come on. But in other news, The Bachelor is back, and we have a sit-down interview with the man himself, Zach Shawcross. As you can tell, we have a lot to get to, so let's dive right in. I hate that I have to say this, but we begin today's show just like yesterday is talking about another mass shooting in California. Yesterday afternoon, seven people were gunned down over two separate locations in a small coastal town just south of San Francisco. According to the local sheriff's office, just off of the Cabrillo Highway, four people were found dead around 2.20 p.m., along with a fifth victim who was rushed to the hospital facing life-threatening injuries. Then three more bodies were discovered roughly a mile away. Children were present at one of the scenes but were not injured. A few hours later, police arrested a suspect, a resident of Half Moon Bay, who was found by a deputy sitting in his car in the parking lot of a nearby sheriff's substation. He was taken into custody without incident, and the weapon was located in his vehicle, which fit an earlier description given to authorities. The motive is not currently known, but it is worth noting that all of the victims were Chinese farm workers. Again, this is the second day this week where people of Asian descent were murdered through gun violence. We have got to figure out a way to end the senseless, almost daily bloodshed in this country. My heart just breaks for these victims, their poor families, and the entire Asian community right now, praying they find peace and strength. Okay, we must transition out of that story to a much, much lighter topic the best we can. Earlier this morning, the nominations for the 2023 Academy Awards were revealed. And as you may suspect, critics and movie buffs alike have a lot to say. Happy Oscar nomination day. This morning, Allison Williams and Riz Ahmed announced the nominees for the 95th Academy Awards. And you guys, as always, we got snubs. We got surprises. We got Queen Rihanna picking up her first Oscar nomination for Best Original Song, Go Riri. Joining me now to break down your 2023 Oscar nominees is People Senior Editor Nigel Smith and Entertainment Weekly Awards Correspondent Dave Carger. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Hey there. Happy Oscars Day. I want to start talking about the performers and movies we all knew were picking up nominations today. So, Dave, I will start with you. Who were you not shocked to see on the list? (laughs) Well, for Best Actor, obviously, Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, and Brandon Fraser, they're like the three co-frontrunners, right? For Actress, Kate Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, no surprise there. For Supporting Actor, Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keoghan, and of course, Ki-Hui Kwan, from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And then for supporting actress, I think the sure things were Angela Bassett, Jamie Lee Curtis, 
and Carrie Condon. But that's not to say, and we'll talk about it, that there weren't some very pleasant surprises in there too and people who were not sure things. And that's what made it really fun because even some of the people who were expected are first-time nominees. In fact, 16 out of the 20 acting nominees are first-time nominees. I don't think there's ever been a year that I can think of since I've been following the Oscars where there was that many first-time nominees. That's cool. I like that aspect of it. And then Best Picture, you have the Avatars, Elvis, everything, everywhere, all at once. The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun. We just knew those were in the mix, right? For sure. And, you know, the question was which movies were going to kind of fall by the wayside. And because it also looked like there was Triangle of Sadness and All Quiet on the Western Front, these two European films that were really coming on strong later in the game. And they're movies that bumped out things like Wakanda Forever, Babylon, Glass Onion, and The Woman King, which was the real big loser of the day with zero nominations. You bring it up there. Let's move on to the snubs. I have a lot of thoughts about that, Dave. Viola Davis not getting a nomination for The Woman King. She was so amazing in that movie. Who didn't make the cut this year, Nigel, besides that? I just have to say I was really bummed on to see Viola Davis in the mix. She was very deserving of a nomination. And then you have all the Swifties. They are very, very upset on social media because she didn't get into the race for Best Original Song. She had this song called Carolina, and it was from Where the Crawdads Sing. And she was shut out of a race that included Rihanna and Lady Gaga this year. So it's a very starry list. And then unfortunately, another fabulous actress, Danielle Deadweiler, who was incredible in the movie Till. She won the equivalent for the Best Actress Award at the Gotham Awards, which kind of kicked off awards season late last year. And she didn't get a nomination for Best Actress. Instead, we had actresses like Ana de Armas for Blonde uh, get in, which was a bit of a surprise. And the self-professed king of the world, James Cameron, he also didn't get into the best director race, which was a bit of a surprise. His film is the highest grossing film released in 2022, and it's made $2 billion. Avatar, yeah. And one major snub that I have to say is the lack of any female directors in the best director category. The last mm. two years actually saw female directors win with Nomadland and with, of course, The Power of the Dog. And unfortunately, no women made the cut, including Sarah Pauly for the Best Picture nominee, Women Talking. Mm. So what about the surprises? And you brought this up earlier, Dave. There were a few this morning that people just didn't see coming. Well, the big one was Andrea Riseborough. And she's an actress who people might know from movies like Battle of the Sexes, where she played Billie Jean King's girlfriend, or Birdman. She has a movie called To Leslie, which ended up getting a Best Actress nomination today. This is a film that premiered at South by Southwest, came out in October, made literally $30,000 at the box office. Ooh, Nobody hey. saw it. But she delivers a beautiful performance. Even though she's a Brit, she plays this kind of rural Texas mom who won $200,000 in the lottery and she squandered all the money away and now she's trying to get her life back on track. First of all, it's a phenomenal performance, really great. But because Andrea is so well-connected, she was able, or I should say her team, was able to get a lot of A-listers like Edward Norton, Jane Fonda, Sarah Paulson, Kate Winslet, Amy Adams, to support this because they had no money to spend on ads or DVD screeners or anything like that. Mm. They just got these A-listers to tweet about it, to Instagram about it, to host 
Zoom Q&As with Andrea and convince the other actors branch members of the Academy to give this movie a fair shake. Wow. And they did. And unfortunately, it was at the expense of Daniel Deadweiler and Viola Davis. But Andrea Riseborough, I actually switched my prediction at the very last minute and predicted her. I, I got a lot wrong, but I did get that one because I was just doing the math in my head, thinking if all of these people are going to put their votes where their mouths are and actually vote for Andrea Riseborough, number one, she's going to get in, just wow. mathematically speaking. It's not what you know, it's who you know sometimes. Right? <laughs> Listen, there's a chance that Viola Davis or Daniel Deadweiler were actually on more ballots than Andrea Riseborough was, but Andrea Riseborough had the number one votes, and Viola Davis and Daniel Deadweiler had, like, number three and four votes. This is just me speculating. But that's yeah, probably yeah. what happened, and you need a small but passionate fan base amongst your branch in order to get in. You guys, we are getting the inside track. I love this. Well, so when you look at the majority of the movies, while they are critically acclaimed, a lot of people just, as you said, haven't seen them. Films like Tar and, and Triangle of Sadness, which are up for Best Picture, kind of fall into that category. But you do have films like Top Gun and Black Panther, Avatar, which are all, you know, super popular. But just a, a lot of mainstream movies just usually don't make the cut. So why is that, Nigel? Like, why is it like you look at the Oscars list or the nominations list and you're like, huh, what? I think that the Oscars are actually getting a lot better at recognizing the bigger movies. I mean, look at the best picture category this year, for example. You have Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water. Those are the two highest grossing movies of last year. And thankfully, they also turned out to be great films. And I really do believe that if you make a very good blockbuster, audiences will come. And that was obviously the case with these two other films. It is unfortunate to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever not nominated, but it was recognized in some of the technical categories as well as Best Supporting Actress for Angela Bassett. And she's making history. She's the first, and correct me if I'm wrong, Marvel actress to ever be nominated for her performance. But but we're also talking about, like, you know, the, the Banshees of Inishirin. And yes, the, uh, yes. To Leslie, Causeway, exactly. Sun, Like, you know, things films. that would come up and people would be like, have no idea. Well, uh, thankfully, audiences now have the chance to watch these movies on streaming. So I think a lot of audiences that used to go to the art house cinemas to see these smaller films like the ones you mentioned, they're just waiting for them now to land on streaming services. And that's unfortunately why you see so many of these fabulous art house cinemas dying. I recently had one of my favorite cinemas in Chelsea just close its doors a few weeks ago. And I, I'm really sad to see what is happening to the cinema-going landscape, but that is unfortunately just the reality. Well, there are a lot more awards that will be given out between now and the Oscars, right? You guys, we have the SAG Awards, the Producers Guild Awards, the Directors Guild Awards, just to name a few. So which of these award shows would you say is the precursor to how Oscars night will go and why? This is to you, Dave. The Directors Guild is the one to really keep an eye on because... That one has nominations for The Fablemans, Top Gun, Banshees, and Everything Everywhere all at once. The fifth nominee for the Directors Guild was Todd Field for Tar. And although I love Tar, I don't think it's a contender to win. I think the four that I just mentioned, Fablemans, Top Gun, Everything Everywhere, and The Banshees of Inisherin, are the four movies that actually have a chance to win Best Picture. And because those four are in there, I'm very curious to see who wins. I think it's either going to be the Daniels, who directed Everything Everywhere, 
or Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. For something like the SAG Awards, I really think Everything Everywhere has that kind of wrapped up. All right, and so you are the Academy. Nigel, who are you giving Best Picture to? (laughs) Pressure, pressure. Pressure. If I was the Academy, I would give it to Tar because that was my favorite film of last year, but uh, I I am not the Academy at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So if I were to think like the Academy, I would probably be giving it to Everything Everywhere all at once. I think that movie's going to sweep. People love it, and it has the most nominations. What about you, Dave? Dave, the Academy? Before this morning, I was thinking it was really a race between The Fablemans and Top Gun with Everything Everywhere as a third place. But now Everything Everywhere All at Once, not only getting four acting nominations, screenplay, director, and picture, but also costume and song and score and, of course, editing. I have to agree with Nigel. The Oscars will air on Sunday, March 12th on ABC. Jimmy Kimmel will be the host for the night. Nigel and Dave, it's always so great to have you on. I feel so informed. (laughs) So thanks for stopping by. Coming up, season 27 of The Bachelor has arrived, and The Bachelor himself is joining the show. Zach Shawcross is sitting down to talk about what fans can expect from his season and shares what he's looking for from the show and in his future wife. But first, as we know, it's a big day for film award nominations, right? The Oscars have been revealed, but so have this year's Razzies. Yep, that's right. After the break, we get into the spoof award show and discuss which films and actors are worthy of taking home the film industry's lowest honors. We'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. We are back, and it's time to go through the rundown on some of this year's Razzie Awards. The Razzies are awards, so to speak, that spoof the Oscars and give out hardware to some of, in their eyes, the worst films and performances of the year. For certain movies, it's not hard to predict that they'll make the Razzie list of nominees take Machine Gun Kelly's stoner comedy Good Morning, which received seven nominations. The film received a rare 0% from critics on the popular movie rating site Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Jared Leto's Morbius film was delayed numerous times due to the pandemic, and Despite all that extra production time, it wasn't enough to keep it off the Razzie list. Moviegoers and critics panned the anti-hero superhero film, which netted five noms, including one for Leto as worst actor. Leto is not the only Oscar winner up for a Razzie this year. Sylvester Stallone was nominated for his role in Samaritan and Tom Hanks. Oh, my God. The creator of the new cocktail sensation, The Diet Cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) is nominated for Worst Actor for playing Geppetto in the live-action remake of Pinocchio and is also nominated for Worst Supporting Actor for his portrayal of Colonel Tom Parker in Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. What? Big names like Diane Keaton, Alicia Silverstone, and Bryce Dallas Howard were all nominated for Worst Actress, with Howard's film Jurassic World Dominion receiving two nominations for Worst Screenplay and another in the Worst Remake ripoff sequel 
category. The Razzies will hand out their top prizes or their bottom prizes, I guess, the day before the Oscars on Saturday, March 11th. You can find the complete list of Razzie nominees at people.com and make your own predictions about who is going to be crowned the best of the worst in Hollywood. happened. You guys, The Bachelor returned to our TV screens last night and Zach Shalcross stepped out as our newest leading man. Fans first fell in love with Zach on Rachel and Gabby's season. And I know I speak for many when I say we are so excited to see him in the driver's seat. So guys, grab some wine, get your roses and let's go. Joining me now to talk all about this new season is the man of the hour, Zach Shalcross. Hey, Zach. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. How are you feeling? I mean, it's here. It's happening. Are you excited? I'm beyond excited. It's really a crazy experience watching it and seeing it after obviously living through it. But now after some time watching it happen unfold, it's it's pretty crazy. And I know it's it's definitely crazy for my family. That was my next question. Like, how how are they dealing? I have two younger sisters and they freaked out when they learned I was going to be on The Bachelorette. And then when this came around, I mean, their faces turned white, their jaws dropped, and they're like, <laughs> wait, that's kind of weird. My own brother is now The Bachelor. So they all love it and they support it, but it's it's definitely a, a new life thing we're all enduring. Well... <laughs> Season 27, it's here. You now join the exclusive club of leading men of this franchise that includes Sean Lowe. Love seeing him appear on the show last night. Nick Vile and of course, Jesse Palmer, who as fans know, is now the host of this show. So so what do you think will set you apart from those other bachelors out there? <laughs> People will be really surprised this season. I'm someone that is at that point that it's all about the love. It's It's really at that point of finding my forever person. It's not so much of the unnecessary drama. If you're someone that wants to watch the true romance and and see that journey to love, then it's going to be a great time. And as, as some people have seen with previous bachelors, it can go a little crazy and kind of the whole purpose can get put to the side of maybe it's not about the love or the relationship. It's about something else. And with me from the very beginning to the very end, it's it's all the same. Oh, Zach, you are speaking to my heart and so many other Bachelor fans' hearts. Yes. Well, this season, there are 30, 30 women vying for your heart. Last night, we got to see all those hysterical and creative limo entrances <laughs> as they introduced themselves to you. My job was just dropping when Mercedes walked out with, with a pig. She's a pig farmer. Henry the pig. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fun fact, yeah, it's the, the pig's name is Henry. Okay, well, there we go. And then that party bus Christina drove in on was epic. Did you have a favorite of those entrances? I was a big fan of the farm animal entry with Henry the pig. Obviously, the party bus was a lot of fun and there was some rapping. So I, I was impressed with everyone. <laughs> well, let's talk about the, the first impression rose. As fans remember, Brianna got America's first impression rose a few months ago. And last night, you gave your impression rose to Greer and you gave Bailey the first kiss of the night and season. So what led you to make those moves? And what was it about these women that made you go, yeah, you, you're the one. With Bailey, we had met at the live finale and we did have a moment to actually speak after the whole thing. And she just wanted to say hi and just express how excited she is for the season. And I was like, thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to get to actually talk to you and get to know you. Seeing her on night one, it was, you know, 
very comfortable and, and it was familiarity. And I wanted her to know that like, I appreciate that. And she's obviously beautiful. And then with Greer, the, there were some sparks there with Greer. With Greer, she had this, I guess, calming effect on me. So like with night one, it's so overwhelming. There's the cameras and I'm meeting 30 new women and it's, it's a lot to take in. And so when you meet someone that can bring that comfort level and allow you to not be so caught up in your head. And it was very relaxed with her. And when I look back and was trying to figure out the first impression rose, who it would go to, it went back to the thought of who did I feel really relaxed and calm with on an extreme night? And that was, that was her. Well, something that I and, and well, many others heard in the teaser at the beginning of the show last night was that you were falling in love with two people. Not to say it was those two. And this is something we've seen happen on the show before. So talk to me more about your experience with this. I know you can't give details, but like just that kind of situationship. <laughs> going into it, you can never foresee what's going to happen. And all 30 of the women, they are incredible in all different and unique ways. And when you progress on this couple month long journey, you can't help but let your feelings take over. And without divulging too much, like I'm a guy that does wear his heart on his sleeve and I know what I want. Like I want my forever person. That's it at the end of the day. And I can't get there without like letting my heart really feel. And there's instances where the lines can get blurry and you can't like help that you're being pulled to two different directions. And it's very tough to navigate. Well, Jesse Palmer previously mentioned that your season is the most emotional season of any of the shows he's been a part of. So I'm I'm assuming this is what he was referring to, right? Or was there something else like really emotional that we're going to get this season? Yeah. As I said kind of earlier, I am someone that does wear my heart on my sleeve. And I I know that the sacrifice to kind of leave your life behind and be here, open to find love and put yourself on the line and be vulnerable. And the part that was really tough, and I think fans will see this, are the goodbyes are really hard because they are all incredible women, but you have to make tough decisions. And I don't want to hurt anyone. And that like inherently happens with how the show is set up. So it was it was emotional in that in that regard. Well, one of my favorite things to see each season is the beautiful places that you guys get to go to. So where are you traveling this season? And did you have a favorite location? And we went all over the place. We went to the Bahamas. We went to London. We went to Thailand. We went to Estonia. And it was beautiful. But my favorite was Budapest. I'm not really well traveled by any means. So all of these places just were absolutely stunning. And what a whirlwind though. And I've, I've said this a lot, but it was like constantly like a pinch me moment. Like, how am I in this position right now? This is so cool. Because you're a great guy, Zach. Before I let you go, I have to ask right now in this moment, are you happy? Like, do you think your journey to find love was successful? Well, Janine, I'll tell you this. I am very happy. Yay! <laughs> you couldn't tell by my uh, my grin. I'm, I'm very happy. I love it. Oh my gosh. It was such a pleasure having you on. Well, guys, The Bachelor airs every Monday night on ABC at 8 p.m. 7 Central. Zach, it was so great to have you here. I'm rooting for you. I hope you get everything you're looking for. It's so nice meeting you, Janine, and it was a pleasure. We are in the midst of the football playoffs, which means I have to once again say, go Niners. <laughs> but also there is a new film coming out that celebrates the joy of being a fan called 80 for Brady. You have 
got to see this, you guys. It's based on the real-life story of four 80-year-old best friends, played by Jane Fonda, Sally Field, Rita Moreno, and Lily Tomlin, who all want to get tickets to see Tom Brady play in what might be his last Super Bowl. While making the media rounds for the film, the four legendary actresses stopped by the Kelly Clarkson show, where Jane Fonda asked a football question that had been on the top of her mind. I have a problem, and it came up a little bit during the game, now about tight ends. I don't know what it means. Could you explain? I want one, but I don't know quite what it is. <laughs> Her co-star Sally Field eagerly jumped in to help clarify. What is a tight end? That's a, a real question. It's a position on a football team. It's a position on a football team. It's a, Wait, it's a person that plays a tight end position. Yeah, but it's not, not on the body. Now, even with Sally's excellent analysis, Jane still needed a little more explanation. Why is it called tight end? Because he's, <laughs> because he's tighter in. He's closer. While it seemed like she was starting to understand the difference between a tight end and a wide receiver on the field, Fonda was more interested in how she herself could get a tight end. <laughs> Luckily, Kelly Clarkson had the perfect response. Now, what do you do to get a tight end? You do some Jane Fonda working out. That's what you do. That's how I got my tight end. I mean, I could watch these women talk about the weather all day and be entertained. <laughs> They're just so funny and so talented. And I definitely can't wait to watch them all together on the big screen. Well, that is our show for today. Thanks as always for downloading and listening. And I will talk to you again tomorrow right here on People Every Day. <laughs> 